tell them, come on, let's do that. Can we do that? Yeah. Yeah. Can I just encourage you just real quick about what we're going through? Look, uh, stay steady. Matter of fact, say that with me right now. Stay steady. Trust the Lord. Everything's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. I believe the Lord would say it's going to be okay. I think he's seen greater things than this. How about you? Yeah. So, you know, stay steady and let's continue on with the Lord. And so uh, my name's Van. I'm one of the staff pastors here on behalf of Pastor Jordan. Just wanted to welcome all of you here. It's going to be a time today, maybe a time that will sort of help us stay steady. You know, when I was a a little boy, uh, my dad bought a little lot in our hometown next to uh, an elderly gentleman. And uh, this elderly gentleman, he, he trapped little colorful birds and he, he would kept, you know, he kept them in a big cage, an area, aviary, yeah. He just kept them in. They were, they were all different colors. It was so beautiful. I remember the first day we went over there, I saw them and I, I made my way over there and uh, he was working with them and I was just mesmerized by it. I had never seen such beautiful birds. And so he began to tell me how he would catch these little birds in, in the neighborhood, in the surrounding areas. And uh, he had built this little cage, a uh, little bird cage. And, and the roof was like this. It was all made out of uh, mesh, like net, cloth net. And one side would, would bend down like this in a spring-loaded roof. And it had a little piece of stick that was sort of just kind of broken in two, but just barely hanging on. And, of course, the, the little birds, thinking that was a perch, would land on that little stick. And just the weight of that little tiny bird would break that stick in two and the roof would close in and the little bird would be caught. And then he would keep you. He cared for them. He really loved the birds. You could tell he was so excited about them. And, and that little stick is called a trap stick. It just seems like the real thing. It seems like you can trust it, but the moment you put weight on it, it traps you. And today I wanted to talk about that. I wanted to talk to you about offense because offense is a snare. As a matter of fact, offense is a trap stick. It really is. Now, right now where we're living, it is astonishing how uptight people are. I don't know if you know that or not. A lot of you in this room, you're very uptight. I'm not saying you like faith or anything like that. I'm just saying that you're uptight. Have you noticed when you go in the grocery stores, we're uptight? Get out of my way. I have to hurry here. You know, it's just an amazing tension in traffic, tension. And all these things are such small things compared to what I'm going to share with you today. But, but offense has a progression. It's almost alive. It, it's this thing that takes on a life of its own. Uh, I, I, would, I would love to be able to share with you the context of a message that I preached over 30 years ago. We had a situation in our local church then, not this church, but the church we came out of, a very, very tense situation. I'm going to share with you later on about that. 
And in the midst of this situation, the Lord gave me a message. And so I went to my pastor and I said, uh, you know, Brother Ed, I said, uh, I believe the Lord has given me a message that's, that's applicable to what is going on here. And when I shared the outline with him, he said, I want you to share that this Wednesday night. And so I shared it. That Thursday morning, he called me in his office and says, I want you to preach that same message next Wednesday night again. And it came out of 1 Samuel chapter 13 through chapter 31. Now, I would suggest if you want to know about the progression of offense, that you go home this afternoon while this message is fresh and that you read those chapters about the life of King Saul and David, who later was King David. And you'll see that Saul was offended and the offense took on a progression that ultimately ended in tragedy. It's all laid out right there. You'll see it when you just read, just a cursory reading today, you will see this message in it. And that's the message that the Lord gave me, but I don't have time to share that message uh, because it would take about an hour and a half. Back in the day, we preached a long time. So offense is a trap stick. Matthew chapter 24 says, many will be offended. Many people get offended nowadays, very easily. We are uptight, we're defensive. We get, we get offended about a lot of things. We get offended when our opinions are challenged and disagreed upon. We get offended when someone is not perfect and their imperfections mess with our stuff. We get offended when we're slighted intentionally or unintentionally. We get offended when we don't understand how and why things are done that affect us directly or indirectly. We get offended when we wear our emotions on our sleeves and we have a chip on our shoulder. We get offended when someone points out lack in our lives and we're not mature enough to admit it. We get offended when we envy those in leadership over us, but we're not willing to pay the price to be in leadership. Can I just pause there and tell you, as a church, as Christian people, as believers and followers of Jesus, let's refrain from playing armchair leadership. Do you have any idea what it is like to be the president of the United States of America? Do you have any idea what it's like to be a senator or a representative or a mayor or a chief of police or a school teacher or a principal or a superintendent of schools? Can you have any idea the pressure trying to make a decision, going into it knowing that the decision you make, half of the people are going to vehemently disagree with you and vocalize it because we're in a very vocal time right now. You know, we get offended. When we take up someone else's offense when we shouldn't be involved. We get offended when we suffer from insecurity and feel everything is directed straight at us. We get offended when, we, when, when harm is done to someone we love. Someone is abused, misused, mistreated. Offense comes knocking at our door. You know, we get offended when we're not aligned with Jesus and have little or no grace or power in our life. I want you to keep that in mind when you read about King Saul today as to why he got offended. Something is because some ladies sang a song about him and David killing people. But you're going to find out that that was just the trap stick.
the trap was already set. So, you know, offense. Pastor Jordan has shared about this quite often now. Let me just kind of tap it. Media, social media, news outlets, 24-hour news channels, they just feed this frenzy and they feed this offense. They just want to make you just, you, you've just got to get angry at somebody. But we, as believers, have what the Bible calls the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The wisdom of God and the mind of Christ. That's how we live. I've decided to live in peace with all men and with all things that are possible within my life. I've just decided that I'm going to be peaceful. I'm going to be a peacemaker. Come on now. I find that that's a better way to live. So, the progression of offense. I'm going to give you some stages of how it progresses. And then I'm going to give you a way out. And then I'm going to tell you a story about what happens when you don't deal with offense. First of all, offense. I'm a definition guy. I love definitions. Offense is the actual act of a person doing or saying something that hurts you. It could be directed to you personally or to someone you love. That's the offense. It, and it is very, you just pick and choose what you, in your life, who did something to you, uh, how horrible it was. Maybe you made it bigger than it was. Maybe you're in denial and you're making it smaller than it is. But it's there. It's offense. And when that takes place, that's sort of like the catalyst, the thing that just strikes the match or lights the fuse once we're offended, the natural, the almost absolutely certain thing that happens to us is that we get angry. Anger is part of the progression of offense. Even though we hate to admit it, we all get angry. Even though we, 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 we're embarrassed to be real and to be, you know, honest with people to say, you know, I get angry. I got a problem with anger. Everybody else already knows it, especially those that live with you. But, but we, we get angry. And you know what? It's all right to be angry. The book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 26 says, don't sin by letting anger control you. See this? Don't let it control you. Be angry and sin not. Do not make a place for the devil. Unbridled anger gives a place for the devil. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. How many of you want a foothold of the devil in your life. You know, when we were kids, we used to big, we'd dig deep, deep pits. I mean, we'd just be, you know, like eight foot. We didn't have anything to do back in the day. We'd just dig the, we'd just start digging with shovels, the guys in the neighborhood. And we would dig these big pits and we would jump in it and you, you can't get out. So what we would do, we would take our knives and we would carve into the wall of that pit footholds to where we could climb out of it. That's a foothold in your life. And the devil, believe me, he's got a sharp knife and he'll dig a foothold in your life. So you, we get angry. Yes, we do, but we have to deal with anger. But if we don't deal with anger, the progression continues to resentment. 
Resentment is an amazing thing because it's personalizing and targeting with inner feelings. It starts off inside. That's why you should always watch what's inside of you. The Bible says keep your heart because out of your heart flows the issues of life. And so we, we have to keep that. So when, when you feel something coming up inside of you that's going to separate or offend or cause problems, you really should try to spot it and deal with it. It's inner feelings targeting these things. It's, 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 it quickly, it's a fixation that, that begins to develop. Your thoughts begin to, to move around the situation. It begins to start to, to, to capitalize uh, your thinking. You're resentful for that. I can't believe they did that. I can't believe after, I can't believe my spouse would do that. My employer, I just can't believe that. <clears throat> and of course, we're always the victim. They're always the perpetrator. You ever notice that? It doesn't matter. By the way, if you get stopped by a police officer and you're going 95 in a 35, shut up and pay your ticket. Just get your ticket and shut up. Don't try to, don't say nothing. I, I was speeding yesterday in the rain. It was a serve day. I had to hurry up and go get a piece of equipment. I had an excuse. And I thought, what happens if I get stopped by a police officer right now? Of course, you, you know, the best time to speed is in the rain, Right? Because he doesn't want to get out in the rain either. No, that's, 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 I'm just joking. But anyway. And I thought, what would I do? And I, I, I'm already prepared. I was prepared to just give him my identification and shut up and get the ticket. I'm speeding. Would you please continue to listen to me? Even though I sped yesterday. Because you did too, most of you. You're always so holy. You resent things. It's in there. You notice you're angry. There's a foothold. Now it begins to affect your heart. And it can be over anything. And if resentment is not dealt with, it progresses to unforgiveness. It's just a natural tumbling down a hill. Unforgiveness. How powerful is that? Unforgiveness is so powerful that this is what Jesus said. He said, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. When he's teaching us to pray, it's part of our prayer life. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive those who sin against me. Why do you do that? Because it's the right thing to do to get out of this cycle. But also, he goes on in Matthew chapter 6 and he says, if you do not forgive those who sin against you, my Father who is in heaven will not forgive you. So unforgiveness is a powerful, as, as powerful in the positive forgiveness, unforgiveness in the negative is just as powerful. It holds you. And, and uh, you know, I wish it just kind of embraced you, this unforgiveness, and just held you for moving forward, but it just squeezes and squeezes until finally it squeezes the very life out of you. Forgiving is not easy, by the way. Anyone who tells you that you just need to forgive after you've been hurt deeply, I mean, I'm not talking about somebody said a few words. I'm talking about you've been really messed around bad. To just tell somebody, you just need to forgive. As 
Offense is progressive. Forgiveness is progressive. Now, you know what? If you cut out in front of me in traffic, I can forgive you real quick. Who cares? It happened on the way to church just a while ago. Folks, if that's your big deal, if that's the proof of the grace of God working powerfully in your life that you forgive somebody who cuts out in front of you in traffic, come on up a little bit. But I'm telling you what, when somebody steals your spouse or somebody takes your money or your job or somebody, somebody rapes your daughter or, or, or some drunk driver crashes into your vehicle and takes your son out, then you've got a process of forgiving. Church, I don't have to tell you that you have to forgive. You know that. But I'm here to give you a little solace in saying that if you're in the process of forgiving, and it's just not working out perfectly and quickly. Take heart. Work through it. Stay prayerful. And God will make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way because he's the way maker. When it seems impossible. I've been in that situation. Impossible. I cannot forgive this person. It's impossible. But then God did something supernatural that broke the yoke that was on my life and set me free. But then if unforgiveness is not dealt with, it goes straight down. I mean, get ready. You're falling straight down, tumbling into bitterness. And bitterness is such a horrible place. There's this root of bitterness that takes hold. It's like these little trees in my backyard. You know, they, they keep coming. Acorns, squirrels, they plant acorns, thousands of them. I pick these little trees up and the little acorn is dangling down at the root. You know, it's just at first a little acorn that a, a little squirrel is planting. But if you, if you leave it alone, it will grow into a giant oak tree. The root of bitterness is that way. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 says, look after each other. Oh, I love that. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you corrupting many. You see, bitterness is evasive. It's like a virus. If not dealt with properly, it spreads to people you love, people you never intend to hurt, people, situations you never intend to get into. If it's not dealt with, then it messes with you and it messes with others. And sometimes when we're bitter, we just get other people involved even if they don't want to get involved. That's called gossip. In other words, you got to tell somebody, but you tell the wrong person. Because to tell a person who's not involved with the situation is useless and puts a burden on the other person. And if they're apt to take up offense, they take up offense with you. And next thing you know, instead of one bitter person, you have two bitter persons. You got to dig a root out. I've got this one plant in my flower bed that I keep just pulling it out, but I don't get the root, and two weeks later, it's this tall again. You've got to get a shovel. You've got to dig down deep, and you've got to pull the root out, or it just keeps coming back. And if you're stubborn enough and you haven't seen it yet and you allow this to continue because you're just so tied to the offense, bitterness always gets way to revenge. And I know we don't like to, we, we say, I, I'm just, no, pastor, I, 
not even in Wiggins would any of you be offended to the point where you would want to take revenge. But if you don't deal with it, you do things that you never thought you would do. You plot and you plan how to get back at someone. They hurt me, I will hurt them. They took my job, I will destroy their reputation. Romans 12, 19, Paul, he's so wonderful. He says, dear friends, he said, hey, we're friends here. Never take revenge. Never, ever take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Revenge is exclusively the Lord's. Revenge is in his pocket, not yours. He deals with, and let me tell you something. He is well able to do that. Sometimes he doesn't, and you get angry at that because you want them to suffer like you suffered, and they don't suffer. Revenge, if it's not dealt with, folks, listen, this is the progression of offense. Revenge, if it's not dealt with, leads to destruction. That's right. A person's life can actually be destroyed because of one single offense. Proverbs 6, verse 14, 15. Who plots evil with deceit in his heart, he always stirs up dissension. Oh, my. Now, here's a question. Are any of you stirring up dissension? Therefore, disaster will overtake him in an instant. He will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. In other words, when you get this far down. Thank you, baby. When you get this far down, it's just destruction. There is a place where somebody can go to where they cannot be fixed. So how do you handle offense? That's a pretty bleak picture I painted for you. I wanted to do that because it's very bleak. There's no easy way to handle offense. There's no real procedure in a book. You have to start working at it. You have to go through the process. You have to face it. You have to admit that you're angry, that you're upset. You have to admit that you're resentful. You have to admit if you're bitter. You have to admit if you're plotting revenge. You have to admit these things. And, and sometimes we're so subtle in the way we do things. Corey Ten Boone was a woman who lived in a concentration camp, a Christian woman, her and her sister. The story's very short for this presentation. That is that her sister was basically killed in the, in the complex, raped. They were raped. They were abused. After the war, she was preaching. She was preaching in a small church in Germany. And one of the soldiers, one of the officers who had abused her and her sister was sitting in the back of the auditorium and she as she spoke and after she finished, he made his way up in civilian clothes, but she saw him in a Nazi uniform, still hurt. You never forget offense. And as he came up to her, he didn't recognize her, but she recognized him and he wanted to compliment her on the speaking 
One thing we forget about that story is that there was a former German officer now in a church listening to the gospel. And this is what she said, and I quote her. He put out his hand to shake my hand, and I mechanically raised my hand and shook his hand. Sometimes you may have to mechanically do things. You don't feel the grace. You don't feel the victory. You don't feel what you need to feel to make you feel like you're feeling what you should feel. And you just make a step forward in faith. And you forgive. You should always be prepared about offense. None of her is... We're none, we're none exempt. And, and by the way, folks, every one of you more than likely will have opportunity to be offended. You will. You're not above it. So can I give you four things real quick, and then I want to tell you a very, very sad story. Number one, take it to the Lord immediately, first of all. You're Christian people, you take it to the Lord privately, you and your Lord, and you tell him, and you cast your cares upon him, and you give him your frustrations and your anger. You, you give it to the Lord first and foremost. First Peter verse 6 of chapter 5 says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Cast your cares on the Lord, for he cares for you. He could have been offended. <laughs> My goodness, what about doing good and healing all those oppressed of the devil? And then they crucified him. He did good to everybody, raised the dead, healed the sick, cast out demons, gave them food to eat. They crucified him. Take it to the Lord first. Number two, take it to the offender in private. Take it to the person you've got the issue with and no one else at this point. Go to them in private. The Bible teaches us in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you've gained your brother. You've got a friend. It's possible to do that. I wish I could say in the 40 years of walking with Jesus that, that the majority of people who were offended did this, took it to the Lord first and to the offender second. I, I wish I could say that. I cannot stand of what I know about people that has not happened. I can't tell you where they take it first. You want to say it for me? Other people who are usually not involved you take it to the offender. When you take it to someone who is not part of the problem or the solution, you're gossiping, and it just makes things worse. And please, don't use the excuse that you just needed a friend to talk to. You have a Lord to talk to, and you have to talk to the person who you feel has offended you. Now, third, this gets a little edgy. You might have to get others involved to help. If the offense is so far-fetched and you just, you're working hard in these first two areas, you might have to get some leadership. Maybe, maybe your small group leader. Maybe your pastor. Hello. 
and share with them and then get, get together. You, you know, that is the way the church is to operate, by the way, where there's offense in the body. You choose people from the body to, to take care of it. We're, we're told, don't go to the, to the law outside. The ungodly judges, don't go there. Gather people in the church and deal with it. Boy, that's real church there. 16th verse of 18, Matthew says, but if he will not hear, take with you one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. There's several applications of this scripture, but one is take a friend and see if you can work it out. And number five, number four, ready? Stay humble. Stay humble. James chapter three, verse two. I read it out of the Amplified because it kind of blows it up for us. For we all often stumble, all of us, and fall and offend in many things. And if anyone does not offend in speech, never says the wrong things, we could add never does the wrong thing, never fails in doing what I feel you should have done. He's a fully developed character and a perfect man, able to control his whole body and to curb his entire nature. I believe we've probably all offended somebody. If you've been married for any amount of time, you've offended your spouse in word or deed or attitude. It's such an easier way to go taking these four steps than to let the progression of offense take place in your life. This message was birthed out of a situation that took place in our church many years ago. There were two families in the church. They were very close friends. They spent time together. Their family spent time together. They both had small children. And one night, one of the families wanted to go out, and so they were babysitting the other family's daughter. And in that night, the man of that house where the child was staying, let's call him John. If, you're, if your name is Johnny, don't take it personal, just John. John, for some reason, was bathing the two children. There were two children the same age, and so they're bathing them. And John inappropriately touched his friend's daughter. I don't know if there's a degree of molestation. It wasn't like a planned thing. I don't think it just, it happened, all right? He didn't say anything about it, but somehow or another, the, the, the child spoke up to her mother. We'll call her Susie. Spoke up, and Susie got offended, rightfully so, wouldn't you? You would. And she got so offended that it began to flare up in the church. That's the situation that was going on. It quickly became apparent that this was going to be a massive thing. And so we as pastors who love people, who are for all people, got involved Because it was so massive. It was public now. 
And so we got involved with the families and we went to both families and we spent enormous amounts of time, especially with Susie. We'd spend time with her. She was angry. She was undone. And we would minister because we're ministers. We're not lawyers. We're not doctors. We're not real estate agents. We're ministers of the gospel. And so we, were, we took the approach of forgiveness and starting to work through this progression of forgiveness with her, but she would have nothing of it. Totally rejecting us. We work with the other family. That was falling apart, by the way. You see, pastors love people. They don't always do things right, but they love people. It's like we were trying to hold a grizzly bear, and it just kept getting bigger and bigger, and finally it spilled out of the church. It spilled into the community. Susie filed charges arrested John. He was a businessman in town. She began to attack his business. We would go to her and say, you know, Susie, let, let's just pray. Susie, let's not do that. that, that, we don't, that you can't take that back. She, she just kept, it kept on and on and on. They arrested him. They had him in jail. We would visit John in jail and he was broken and torn up. His marriage is in shambles. His business is failing. She continued. She would call the judge relentlessly, wanting justice, justice, justice. We would meet with her. She would reject our meeting. We couldn't hold it together any longer. It, it got to where she would stand up in our local baseball stadiums, just stand up with total strangers, telling the story in public, just shouting out his name, his business, his family. She was out of control. Does it sound like what I just shared with you about bitterness and revenge? By the way, the message had already been spoken early on in the situation, and now we're watching it actually unfold in reality. I'm shocked at the accuracy of God's word. Her marriage has fallen apart. The bitterness is now rooted. And then her husband, Susie's husband, comes home. Now, these are Christian people. These are church people. We knew. We sat with them. We sang with them praises of God. He comes home. He's drunk. And he molested. He molested her daughter. Her older teenage daughter, stepdad. The very thing that she is obsessed with and will not even embrace the beginning of healing happens to her oldest daughter. And it blew their marriage up. She continued out of control. As a matter of fact, one day my pastor, Brother Ed, was meeting with her we're trying, you understand. Talking about forgiveness, and if you don't forgive, God will forgive you just what I just shared with you, and she rejected it. I met with her, and she looked me square in the face. I mean, just, and she said, it doesn't matter what you say, and by the way, Brother Ed has taught me well, if I don't forgive, I will go to hell being unforgiven, and I will tell you right now, before I forgive him, I will go to hell. 
Come get some of that leadership. In the midst of all this, Susie and her husband, the family, they're building a swimming pool in their backyard. And some things go wrong with the swimming pool, the contractor. We never did find out exactly what. But she is in this bitter revenge stage. She evidently can't get any satisfaction out of the contractor. So what she does is she, she goes and she purchases two large pieces of plywood, four by eight sheets of plywood. And she scrawls on there, a lemon contractor, and, and puts their name and don't ever use them or something to that effect. And she places them right outside of their driveway facing both directions on two large pine trees that were on each side of their driveway. Now, I want you to remember, she said, I will never forgive him. Even if I go to hell. And so one afternoon, she is just driving home and she stops. She stops to turn left into her driveway. And a gentleman coming behind her in a, in a pickup truck is reading the signs that she put out front. And he doesn't realize that she has stopped. And he rear-ended her and killed her instantly. I'm telling you that offense can lead to destruction because I've seen it happen more than one time. I could have preached an uplifting, edifying message that we all enjoyed, but I felt in this standalone message, the pastor told me to preach I passed this by him. He said, I think it would be good. Because folks, if there's one thing I desire, it's one thing that all of us pastors here who are giving our lives to lead this church, we desire is that we distance ourselves from offense as quickly, appropriately, and best we know how. And that rather than going down the, the, the trail of offense and all what it brings, that we go down the trail of forgiveness. Even in the small things, forgive your spouse. Forgive your mom and dad. Forgive your city officials. Even if you think you just forgive, just release. Be set free. Get off the trap stick. If you want to fly free, get off the trap stick. So right now, right where you are, you who are in homes right now, you in the Wiggins campus, wherever you might be, all of you in the room right here, can you get serious for just a moment? Some of you, something's happened to you a long time ago, and it's eating you alive, and it's affecting your present day. You may not see it, but others around you see it. Some of you, it's small things that are just aggravating you that steals your day one day at a time. And others of you are just saying, everything's fine. I'm floating through life great. 
But I tell you what, offense just has a way of being very obtrusive. It seems to take opportunity. And so we should be prepared in our hearts to say, you know what? Jesus, when offense comes my way, I'm going to handle it properly. I'm coming to you first. First and foremost. I want you to bow your heads with me for just a moment. Just a moment. Just let, let's just take, give, give God just a moment. If you're offended right now, you might be offended by what somebody does or what they don't do. You might be offended about the church. You might be offended about a pastor, a leader, a, a, a mother, a father. It could be anybody. I want you to just go ahead right now and put that person right in front of you. Come on, come on. The, the, you take, take them to the Lord. They may not even have been wrong. You might be the wrong one. Who knows? But take them to the Lord right now. I want you to present them to the Lord right now. It may have been a long time ago. You may hate them. They may not even be alive any longer, but still from the grave, they've got you captive. Won't you just present them to the Lord right now? Say, Lord, they're yours. I cast my cares upon you. Lord, I begin forgiveness. Right now, I surrender this entire situation to you. I'll no longer embrace it. I remove, Lord, by your grace, the stronghold of the devil that's been in my life since that day. I want to be free. I want to be free. Every Christian in this place, come on, your heart needs to be fully cleansed right now. You started in the spirit. Now for you who are watching, you in Wiggins, you right here in Gulfport, if you're sitting, listening to this, and you don't know Jesus, you've never really met him, you haven't been forgiven of your sins, you know, really and truly what you're doing right now, you're offending the Lord. Now, he won't get offended in you, but your life offends him. And if my life offends the Lord, I want to get it right. So I want to pray with you right now. Open up your heart to the Lord. And say something like this with your heart, really mean it. If you really mean it, he's listening from heaven right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you sent Jesus to die for my sins. And Lord, I thank you that you love me. And so I surrender to you. I confess I am a sinner. I confess I've not lived for you. But I want all that to change today. So I embrace what you did for me at the cross. I confess you as Lord of my life. And I thank you right now, right now, for saving me and for changing my life from the inside out. Thank you for this. Father, I pray over our people right now for protection, God. I pray over your saints at all of the locations, God, that you would grant us grace that surpasses our understanding. Father, it is amazing grace. It amazes us every day, the power of your presence through your grace working in our life. So Lord, we surrender. We thank you that there shall be peace in our life in the mighty, precious name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, 
and amen. Come on, stand to your feet, everybody. We're going to sing another song right now. I want you to lift up your hands before the Lord, and let's just give Him all the praise. Pastor Van for sharing that message with us. Um, you know, it reminded me of sometimes when I was a little kid and out riding bikes or just being a boy and stuff and you fall and you get all scraped up, get gravel in your knee and it's all bleeding and stuff and go inside the house and what did mama do? She had to wash it out and then she got out a little brown bottle. <laughs> and you saw that brown bottle and it was like, oh boy, you knew it was coming because something was going to be poured over that wound and it was going to fizz up. It was going to sting the hydrogen peroxide. Sometimes that's what a message like this is like. It stings a little bit at first. It gets you. Sometimes I, I think even just looking out over, over the crowd, I think some, sometimes even hearing something like this causes a little extra pain in your life because the Holy Spirit is convicting you. So don't ignore that, all right? Conviction is good. Um, the Holy Spirit messing with us is a good thing. It hurts. It hurts sometimes but it's for our good. It's so that doesn't become infected. And that's why mama did that. That's why she poured it over your knee, poured it on your elbow. And that's the same thing God's not wanting for you to go through. He doesn't want that wound to fester. So deal with it. Thank you, Pastor Van, for sharing with us the good wisdom. So I promised a few of you earlier that if you're new with us, I was gonna give you some instructions of what you can do to connect with us. 
Um, so first of all, I just do want to welcome you. You know, we love our visitors. We love those of you who uh, choose just to come and check us out, see what Northwood's all about. We hope you enjoyed this morning. If you're joining with us online for the first time, welcome. Um, so very simple. You can go online, northwood.church slash next steps. There's a short little form on there. Fill it out. It's going to come back to me, and I'm going to reach out to you this week uh, via text message, email, phone call. You designate how I contact you. I don't want to bother you or spam you or anything. I just want to reach out and see if you got any questions, you know, and help you just get connected to this local body. Um, also, as a church, just want to encourage you guys, um, continue to be faithful in giving. So much that we do here. In fact, everything that we do here at Northwood Church is through faithful people like you giving. There's two ways to do that. It's on the screen behind me. Um, a couple more, more things I want to bring emphasis to. Um, if you are newer to Northwood Church, or even if, like I said, today's your first time, uh, we have our Next Steps class. Normally we do it once a month in person here at the campus, but just because of all that's going on, we're just making that available online for now. So you can actually go on there. There's three separate videos really easy to do. Um, go on there, northwood.church slash next steps class and uh, watch those videos. And it's going to give you some instructions as to what to do. Again, a lot of that's going to come to me here at the Gulfport campus. And I'm just going to help you get connected to um, small groups, to teams here at the church. You're going to hear from our lead pastor, Pastor Jordan, and hear about the heart of Northwood. It's a great thing. And you can do it on your own time. You can do it while you're sitting in your PJs in your bed. So it's really easy that way. All right. So be sure to check that out if you haven't already. And then last thing, and then I'll let you go. Next week, you don't want to miss it. Small group Sunday. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have sign-up tables and everything in the back. We're also going to have some treats for you. It's going to be a great morning. Um, but if you want to just sign up online, you know, some of the groups, they fill up fast. You want to check that out. I mean, right at, you can check it out right after you leave service today on your way home. If you're not driving, northwood.church slash small groups, though, check out the roster, check out the groups. Uh, I do want to say this. Sometimes what happens is that there's certain groups that fill up really fast, and you'll see a little red thing, a little red box next to it says full group. Don't let that intimidate you. Sometimes people join groups and then they drop back out because they can't make it or whatever. Email the leader. You'll also see a little box next to the group that says email leader. Let them know you want to be part of the group. Sometimes uh, leaders can help you. They can shift things around. So don't just see that little red box and just back out of it. If it's a group that works for you, at least reach out to them and we want to help you get into a small group. Sound good? All right, guys. You all have a great week. Love you. See you later.